previously on Probably Should Have Known Better. But on a lighter note, absolutely, I also want to talk about uh, the reboot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, right now it's in pre-development, but there's going to be a gender-flipped reboot uh, called What Men Want, starring Taraji P. Henson. Ugh, the incomparable. Who, who's great. Great, but I don't think we need this. <laughs> I don't understand how a movie called What Men Want can possibly be longer than 10 minutes. Sweet new wheels. A little pre-celebration for the big day, huh? I'm making partner, baby. Mm-hmm. Time to break that glass ceiling. We all know who deserves this. Give it up for our summit, Worldwide Sports Management's newest partner. Whoa! <laughs> That pass was actually to Eddie. I'm so sick of this boys club. Every day is payday. You don't connect well with men. Just stay in your lane. I don't trust women who don't get dudes. Like I don't trust a man with no eyebrows and too many keys. Right, okay, but like, you went to a Catholic high school, right? Right. Did you go to a Catholic grade school, too? I don't remember. No, I went to public school where it was okay. a whole other mess of cum. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing, is I went to a Catholic grade school. And oh, you're so Catholic. Yeah, well, um, mm, <laughs> And I was thinking about sex ed <laughs> in, like, fifth grade or whatever it was, and how it was not good. Like, no, there was no, a lot that was a lot that was left out because it was a Catholic school. And I just... Like, no, like nobody said. I'm sorry to be gross here, and I'm definitely cutting all of this. But <laughs> no, nobody said like, yes, these are awkward conversations we're having right now. Yes, you feel uncomfortable because you're a kid and you don't know what any of this means. But coming is going to be your favorite thing. <laughs> Please don't cut this. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's going to be just your oh there's going to be a time when it's going to be all you want to do <laughs> i hate this so much <laughs> you have to leave it in yeah, most of what fine. we talk about is just agony this is a good um this is a really good cold open i think i think everybody everybody who's like <laughs> ah good the standard 18 month podcast hiatus is over episode one <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome back to Probably Should Have Known Better. Watching mainstream comedy at the end of the world. It is so good to be back. I am Tony Ginocchio. I am joined, as always, by my dear friend and the metaphorical nightlight giving me comfort in the dark, scary bedroom of a global public health crisis. It's Nadia Vasquez. Yay! That was the best intro ever. Well, we had a full year and a half to work on them. Yes. Uh, so I look forward I to, came up to with you nothing. introducing me on the <laughs> I next came episode. up with nothing. Shit. The bar is too high. 
Uh, the bar is too high in general. I think we should just stop now. <laughs> we just post a, a like a forty-five second episode, and we're like, "Well, that's season two. Um, <laughs> but since we la- the last time we recorded Nadia was in November twenty eighteen. Wow, uh, the world was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were not hiding in our respective homes. The world <laughs> has gotten worse. I would say mm-hmm, um, definitely comedy. Uh, I would say has also gotten worse, uh, generally, yes. and, and in fact, um, we the selection, which we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, is actually our our most recent one ever, um, because it's already terrible. <laughs> and uh, but but I do want to, since we are both cooped up, since everybody is streaming shit, since everybody is doing everything they can to stay in their homes, or at least the, you know, the people who don't want to die are. People with sense. Right, exactly. Um, I want to hear, Nadia, just kind of what what pop culture are you currently enjoying uh, in quarantine? Okay, uh, I thought about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this a lot because most of my answers are embarrassing. And I wanted to preface <laughs> by saying I have done a little bit of research about brains and okay. how most of us... When we're processing something, either emotional or just, like, have some sort of mental block, we like to watch things we've already seen because mm-hmm. there's no surprise there. It's very comforting. And so I have watched The Office twice in <laughs> the last three months. And you're talking about the full nine season. No, US no, no. I, I have to be honest. I've been skipping around. Well, uh, that, and honestly, that's smart, I think. Yeah. Certain, I can't watch Scott's Tots. Oh that, God! <laughs> that episode is way too painful for me. I can't deal with it. That that one's hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few here and there, but besides that, I have been. Hulu has a huge, huge library of '90s sitcoms. So I, I went really quickly through step by step. Okay, great. And Living Single, which still holds up beautifully, it's so good. And uh, Perfect Strangers. Okay. Wow. Which is great. Bronson Pinchot, I've discovered after I watched all of it, is a sexual deviant. So I felt really <laughs> gross about how much I loved his performance. <laughs> In a way, that was that was an entirely self-contained 60-second episode of Probably Should Have Known Better. <laughs> yes! I mean, if we could do an entire episode on him. He is one of the most talented actors I think we've ever seen on television. Okay. And he is the worst human. He wow. He did a bunch of reality shows where he was just assaulting people left and right. It was actually really fucking terrible. But anyway. Oh my gosh. Besides that, I have also become obsessed with Jenna Marbles on YouTube. Oh, okay. And she's 13, been around for a while. 13 years a little too late, but okay. <laughs> she has great dog videos. Okay. Yeah. Sure. What about you? Uh, you know, I um, I would say there's like uh, two things that spring to mind immediately. Um. One is that this this week, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, musical artists, uh, Jeff Rosenstock, he just uh, surprise released a new album, and he's a guy that um, when I was in high school, he was in a ska band called The Arrogant Sons of Bitches. When uh, I was in college, he was in a punk band called Bomb the Music Industry. Now he records as a solo artist. Um, got to see him live a couple years ago, and he is just a, a truly, uh, truly amazing punk singer-songwriter. Um, who writes about uh, kind of the uh, anxiety uh, of the world being on fire and, and falling apart around us, but his songs also uh, slap really hard. So, uh, <laughs> I Dude, I didn't know you were such a punk. 
Uh, I I'm not like the sh- like I went to the show like when I was 30, and the next day I was just <laughs> worthless. Like just. <laughs> Who are you at the show? Are you the guy in the back who's like explaining everything to everyone? Or no. Are you in the crowd. The, this is a this is a great question. So I'm not moshing at the okay. front. I, Coward. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was I was like in the middle of uh, the auditorium, so I'm not in the back because I don't I don't drink anymore, so I'm not like going to the bar. I'm not hanging out back there. I'm just like I'm in the middle and I'm jumping. I'm not I'm not moshing, so I'm not bumping into people, but I'm jumping up and down in a good straight line that does not (laughs) interfere with anyone else's personal space. Okay. I've noticed as a lot of us punks are going to shows, a lot of people hang out on the wall so uh-huh. that the middle part that you're talking about is generally like the back of the crowd. Is okay. That... So yes, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I did that a lot and I couldn't see because I'm really short. <laughs> so I commend you because I know you're also a little height challenged. I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a tiny dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. I need to listen to that because I don't think I'm as punk rock as you. I think I'm more like mainstream punk rock. Well, I, th- I think you'd like this guy. So the, the all of his albums are available for free. Um, and yeah. he, he gives them away um, and, you know, makes his money off of touring or selling the vinyls or whatever. But um, you can download it for free. But yeah, Jeff Rosenstock, the album's called No Dream, and it's quite excellent. The, the second thing um, is that my wife and I are uh, working our way through Veep. Uh, which oh, I nice! Had not seen uh, all the way through before, and and obviously, you know, it's a very funny show. It's it's well written. Julia Louis Dreyfus is, of course, a hilarious actress. But there's there's one performance I want to call out, and I want to make sure I get the actor's name right. Yeah, Sam Richardson, uh, who plays Richard Splett on the show, um, who is the the short black guy with the glasses that's the assistant to Jonah. Um, if you have seen I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, he is the judge in the Baby of the Year contest sketch. I love that sketch. Uh, he he is so fucking funny in everything he does. Um, he was he was also, uh, he's worked with Tim Robinson before on Detroiters as well. So funny in everything he does, but in VP is just perfected, like, just being able to sit at a table with a big dumb look on his face <laughs> and have that be the joke. And I just, I have so much respect, uh, so much respect for that. So I'm, I'm enjoying the entire show. We're in season five right now, I think, but um, enjoying his nice. performance especially. Very awesome. Good job, dude. Way to be an American watching an American-themed show. Well, I've been avoiding anything related to politics. Part, well, part of me is like watching it and going like, ah, oh, shit, this is probably <laughs> what it's like right now. Um, yeah. is, it's it, probably much much worse it's probably like the hunger games right meets and, that yeah and, and just, less funny it's like yeah so it was like it's just the same as veep only every third person is a white supremacist um, <laughs> that makes me sad because it's true it's true yeah um so on a lighter note let's talk about the uh thing we had to watch uh today because our first our first episode ever um back in season one was about what women want it was which is the highest grossing studio rom-com of all time still which is insane um you know it was obviously dated and retrograde and misogynist it starred uh, mel gibson (laughs) who is abusive and anti-semitic and terrible it was the perfect film for us to kind of select for our first episode absolutely Uh, 
I'm and so proud of us. As it turns out, since we concluded our last season, they remade it. Uh, so what we're watching today is What Men Want from 2019, directed by Enemy of the Show, <laughs> Adam Shankman, who directed our previous selection, Bringing Down the House. And oh, the because, because he directed Bringing Down the House, I think should be permanently disqualified from working with black actors or writers ever again. <laughs> I have to say something. I'm not an Adam Shankman apologist. But <laughs> I did a deep dive on this fool, and I forgot that he directed The Wedding Planner. That was his directorial debut. Oh, okay. I know he did Hairspray, and I know, like, Hairspray was good. I liked it. I know you liked it a lot. I watched it nine times at the movie theater. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. But I didn't know he also directed A Walk to Remember. Hmm. Uh, the Wedding Planner is... I think I've seen that movie probably as much as I've seen Never Been Kissed, which is my favorite movie of all time. Okay. Uh, but most recently, he directed AJ and the Queen with RuPaul, so you are right. I think he only sucks when he's working with black actors. <laughs> <laughs> which is very suspect to me. Yeah, so do you? should we should we do a, a summary uh, of the film first, or, or should we dive Absolutely. into it? Okay. Let's, let's do a summary of it. Okay. Um, so if you remember what women want, uh, Mel Gibson, uh, works at an ad agency. He's, uh, kind of a, a guy's guy and he accidentally electrocutes himself with his hairdryer, giving him the ability to read women's minds. As it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens that way. Uh, what men want, uh, flips the genders as the title suggests. It also changes, uh, the races in, in the sense that most of the cast, uh, is black, which is actually a nice counterbalance to what women want, where I think there were two people of color who each had one line. Right. Um, but Taraji P. Henson uh, is the lead. She plays Ali, uh, a sports agent uh, in Atlanta, and uh, she has done pretty well for herself in a generally male-dominated world, but she doesn't get men and she has trouble maintaining relationships so after drinking drugged tea from erica badu <laughs> and getting a concussion at a nightclub she gains the ability to read men's minds uh only men's minds it's never really explained why and it's not in what women want either so who gives a shit um <laughs> she uses this to try and get ahead in her career and especially to sign uh, kind of uh, one of the hot uh, NBA draft prospects. Uh, in order to do that, she's got to um, convince this kid's dad, who's played by Tracy Morgan, who's the second build actor, even though he's not the love interest, um, that she understands men and she understands family. So she also has to invent a fake family. But then she also, <laughs> like, has to, she also tries to fuck the hot guy in her apartment. <laughs> But also there's, like, weird references throughout the film to Trump's America and, like, weird, like, current things that just kind of land with a thud. Uh, and it feels weird. Um, I was convinced going into the film that it was going to be better than What Women Want, and it was, but, like, 
by an barely eye, by an eyelash yeah yeah very 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 small margin <laughs> i definitely <laughs> thought it was going to be shorter than what women want and it's not it's two hours long <laughs> i think my biggest takeaway was that this movie is so long <laughs> it's so long and i thought well at least she's going to be able to read minds in the movie really early on because in what women want i had to wait 30 minutes before that happened well guess what <laughs> <laughs> same thing it takes 30 minutes um but of course uh on this podcast we always look at not just the film but the historical context uh in which the film came up and, and so with that nadia would you like to take us through our former current events absolutely uh so this is february 2019 when this movie came out and i just want to say that the internet is amazing but it also it just brings too much information, and the former current events are, in just the month of February, very dense. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think we as humans are, like, meant to process as much as We're we We're absolutely not. Because, just hold on a second, this is, your mind's gonna be blown. So, first of all, at the beginning of the month, the Boy Scouts of America changed their name to the Scouts BSA, and women were finally able to join and women i mean little girls <clears throat> but for some reason on the website it says women so uh, that made me worried um <laughs> amazon closed its plans for their new york city headquarters because of activists and local governments that said fuck jeff bezos <laughs> and i need to quote my favorite tweet of this year 2020 i'll slap jeff bezos bald head so hard it's gonna sound like a screenshot <laughs> We all felt that in February 2019. Additionally, the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the United States is suspending its role in the inter... Wait, hold on. <laughs> is suspending its role in the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, which was with Russia that started oh, okay. in 1987, which made nuclear war fucking real and very possible. Yeah. This I is just the third day of February. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump met face-to-face. -face. Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. That same week, which gave us a lot of really good memes, probably better than that movie, The Interview, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll watch The Interview uh, at some point, folks, don't absolutely. worry. Absolutely. But wait, there's more. Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, and my boy Bernie Sanders announced they're running for president That's all right. in the same week. Okay. This is also the same week that North Korea and South Korea... Uh, were interested in uh, doing a joint bid for the 2032 Olympics, which is a really big deal. And everyone's like, that must mean they don't want to go to war with us. Mm -hmm. But who knows? <laughs> this was also the same month that Taraji P. Henson's co-star Jesse Smollett is arrested for filing a false Jesus police Christ. report uh. about the alleged hate crime. It is also the same week that R. Kelly is finally indicted for having sex with minors. So it's a big week for Chicago, then, in general. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone who has your accent had a <laughs> quite a time. Yeah. This is the same month as the 91st Academy Awards, which was supposed to be hosted by Kevin Hart, but oh. he refused to apologize God. for his homophobic tweets. And that was Green Book won Best Picture, right? Yes, and I'm pretty sure no one watched it. Yeah. Uh, Brexit was also going down at this point. This was also the same month as the Super Bowl, where the Patriots beat the LA Rams. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, the Me Too movement was two years 
in the making Mm -hmm. where more and more people were dropping like flies thank goodness and justice was being served except for woody allen who still for some reason is walking free uh but most importantly i just want to point out that the creator of the me Me too movement tarana burke Mm -hmm. she created this in 2016 Mm -hmm. and she has a podcast with brene brown on Brene Brown's show, Unlocking Us, that I highly recommend to anybody who's interested in what the Me Too movement looked like before a white woman made it more famous than yeah. it pr- probably should have been. Yeah. And then, uh, and uh, and before uh, Joe Biden uh, killed it uh, too. So right, right. Really, he he totally slid it. Now that the now that the life cycle is completed, you can kind of see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, check, definitely check out that podcast. It is really beautiful and it shows what the Me Too movement kind of could have been mm-hmm. uh, for like a lot, lot sooner than it was, but it's fine. Uh, but besides that, that was one whole month of the year of 2019. There was way more that I didn't even include because I thought this would overwhelm everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's an overwhelming month in general. But the good news is that What Men Want was also released in theaters uh, made, to distract everyone. <laughs> to distract everyone, made a little north of fifty million dollars domestically, which is a modest success. The budget was only twenty million dollars, so you know certainly a successful film. By no means a blockbuster like the first What Women Want. It's not even in the top fifty highest grossing films of the year. But I kind of want to talk about how this how this film fits in the timeline of everyone involved in it. Um, Ooh, okay. Because, uh, you know, I 100% understand how a movie like this gets made, right? They said, what women want made a ton of money. Let's do it again. Let's flip the genders and we'll call it a day. We'll get Adam Shankman to direct it. He directed bringing down the house, which for <laughs> some reason also made a ton of money. <laughs> we got him in. They're like, okay. Great. And uh, let's let's make it, um, you know, BET Films is co-producing. Let's make it a predominantly black cast. Terrific. Oh, we have a white director. Who are we going to get to write this movie? Oh, no problem. We're going to get two white dudes who wrote for Veep. <laughs> and they're like, uh, we should probably get, like, one, one black writer on the screenplay. It's like, okay, what's the blackest movie we could think of? Drumline. Perfect. Let's get the woman who wrote Drumline, <laughs> Tina Gordon, as the third credited screenwriter on Are this you film. serious? Yes. <laughs> Good God. So that makes a lot of sense. That's um so that's what we're dealing with. We have three credited screenwriters, two of whom are white dudes who wrote for Veep, one of whom, Tina Gordon, um, is a black woman who wrote Drumline. Um, this is a mid budget r-rated romantic comedy and so the question certainly on my mind is what the fuck is taraji p henson doing in this film when she you was look at her career sh- she has a okay <laughs> i understand i know that it takes about a year and a half to make a movie right and yeah. a year and a half from then she was winning so many awards for playing cookie on yes. empire so it makes total sense that she would be leading a movie and it makes total sense that it would be one where her role is a little different. And she is also being funny. She's very funny. She is very funny in other movies. And I think in Empire, she's funny because just she's just so yeah. out there. But to do straight up comedy with punchlines and everything, I think she was trying to be like, 
okay, I'm a jack of all trades. It's time for you to hire me for all these other things. But at the yes, but at the same time, you know, she when you look even before Empire, obviously she was riding very high on Empire. She was nominated for two Emmys. Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people in the world in 2015. But before that, she was nominated for an Oscar in 08 for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. She got a lot of buzz when she was in uh, movies like Baby Boy and Hustle and Flow in the early 2000s. She got a different Emmy nomination for being in a Lifetime original movie. She had other steady TV work because she was in Boston Legal. She was in Person of Interest as a regular, um, all of which was before Empire. And then in 2016, she did her Oscar bait film, which was uh, Hidden Figures, where she played um, Katherine Johnson, the NASA scientist. Okay, I just have to say that time makes no sense to me because I had no idea it was that long ago yeah. that that movie came out. Yeah, 2016. So wow. she she did that. She didn't get a nomination for acting, I believe, but she but the the film got all sorts of nominations and and obviously she had a she very um, acclaimed performance and and yeah and and certainly could could have gotten a nomination. Um, since Hidden Figures, you know, she did, um, an action film called Proud Mary. She did, um, Acrimony, which was her third film with Tyler Perry. She did a voice in the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. Um, she has a project now where she's going to play Emmett Till's mother. She is on the A-list for black women in Hollywood right now, for black actors in Hollywood right now, probably just for actors in Hollywood right now. She's incredible. And she was like, well, time to do this mid-budget, <laughs> sloppily written, Adam Shankman, R-rated comedy. But this, that's the thing, though. She <laughs> was doing so many serious things. This is definitely something where she could bust out her comedic chops while also maybe she thought, like, <laughs> I'm making a statement because this movie has, like, a lesson to be learned. Yeah. I, I don't know. Guess. I don't know. Also, you know, we don't know how much she was paid. <laughs> <laughs> the film's budget was $20 million. So it's possible that she was paid 19.9 and everything else was split among the cast and crew. That would make so much that sense. That would make sense. Wait, that's not true. I would at least give a million to Erica Badu just for being there. I can't, like, that... She is amazing. What? The hell? Well, let's, let's. I love her. Let's let's talk. I, there's a couple things I want to talk about just right <laughs> okay. off the bat. Um, we'll get to Erica Badu, but um, first of all, the movie's rated R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, and uh, that's one of the more interesting departures from the first What Women Want is there's a lot of fuck words. Mm-hmm. There's some sex. <laughs> fuck there's, words. That's what they're called. There's some sex scenes that are, I think, more gratuitous than i was expecting yes definitely (laughs) i loved it (laughs) i was like this is what feminism is (laughs) that and that's that's what i was wondering is like so well there's a scene early on where taraji p henson is having sex with the man that she eventually ends up with and um and there was more you know maybe it's just my delicate sensibility but like there was more grinding and uh moaning than i perhaps was expecting well i mean you're so catholic (laughs) i'm not surprised that's that's probably it (laughs) um but but anyways so we establish uh taraji p henson's character ali right away right she's a sports agent she loves crushing it (laughs) she has she has a a treadmill in her home treadmill in her home 
gay assistant um, <laughs> who lives with her, maybe? I don't know. He's... I don't know, but I have to say, I've been an assistant, and never once have I ever been to a boss's house. So I don't know what kind of work this person has to do. It's a little questionable, honestly. Uh, we see her her agency. It's, you know, it, she's the only woman. It's all dudes. Um, couple classic, like, guys guy casting choices like max greenfield is an agent there um Ugh, i love him yeah he's great he's so good at playing the one thing yeah yeah exactly <laughs> jason jones same deal pete davidson weird choice yeah he still looks as sickly as ever <laughs> as loud and horribly foul-mouthed as ever yeah just you know it makes sense it's just you know i'm glad we got in an appearance from the least funny cast member of the least funny period and I, i'm really Night glad Life. that his his first line is i'll rip your eyes out and fuck the socket i'll fuck your mom and I'll fuck he's your supposed mom. to and be he's... talking to his brother <laughs> And, and kind of the explanation for all of this offered is it's locker room talk. Right. Which is a reference to our current president bragging about sexually assaulting women. <laughs> it's great. It's Trump's America. It's Trump's- I have to make a, a couple of observations before we go on <laughs> into the boardroom scene. The first scene says so much. I, I'm, I'm taking a screenwriting class right now, and I'm just learning about exposition, how you want to describe your character using behavior, right? And for some reason, these three writers decided, okay, she's going to be on a treadmill. She doesn't know how to use her iPad. She is going to speak on the phone, but not wait for the other person on the other line to speak. Like That's an acting faux pas that I hate, is people who don't have pauses <laughs> to wait for the other person to speak. Because she says... Yes. Oh, wait, here. She goes, what? The tiniest pause. Yes, I know Sports Illustrated wants Serena in June. <laughs> that's, that's a very long time for someone to say that, and she didn't give them time to do it. And uh, also her dialogue. You're supposed to kind of get an idea of how she treats other people. And I guess what I'm supposed to be getting out of this is that she's, like, a little mean because she yes. tells her gay assistant – just because you're gay doesn't mean you're fabulous. And I thought, ooh, sick burn. Not. <laughs> she said, she said, occur at one point. Oh, yeah. She goes, occur. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, it was not good. It sucked. Uh, no. But, and when we say the gay assistant, like, just keep in mind, we don't know the character's name. I'm not clear they actually spoke his name at any point I don't point think in they the have. The other, the other, <laughs> the other thing is that I love this guy from oh, Silicon yeah, no, Valley. He was, he was good. Uh, you know, we kind of, there, there's two other lines of dialogue in the early scene uh, before the boardroom, uh, which is, um, or no, it's it's uh, kind of right around the boardroom scene, is she calls her boss Dick instead of Nick, <laughs> um, which is about about the high point for laugh lines uh, in Absolutely. the screenplay. Absolutely. Uh, and she also says, I go high when they go low at one point. Isn't that Michelle Obama? Which is a reference to Michelle Obama speaking at the 2016 Democratic National Convention against Donald Trump, the president who bragged about sexually assaulting women. So it's just like, I don't know why we need to bring it up twice in the first 15 minutes of the film. Uh, 
and then there's going to be more weird references like that uh, as as we go on. But the the main inciting incident is Ali thinks she is going to make partner uh, at the firm. And, and you know e- what happens when you make partner? You get a football. You get, they throw a football at you um, <laughs> as a symbol of your partnership. Uh, Nadia, how's it work out for Ali? Uh, she doesn't get it. <laughs> she doesn't get it. And the worst part is, is that she intercepts the football because she thinks she gets it. So she's sprawled out on the boardroom table. Yeah. And catches Screaming, the ball. Screaming, yes. She's so yeah. stoked. And they're like, mm, uh, nice interception, but it's not you. Yeah. And she has to be so embarrassed and give the football back. And the reason she doesn't make partner is uh, basically she doesn't have any clients. She hasn't signed any clients in the NBA, NFL, or um, MLB. Most of her clients are women, and they're in Olympic sports or the WNBA. Yeah, which is, I think, fine. Yeah, but she, <laughs> but okay. She, she appears to be making a ton of money for the firm. She drives a Porsche. She um, <laughs> she has really great outfits. She does good yeah. good looks on Taraji. Um, so she goes to um, the bar to drown her sorrows. Um, with her dad, right? With her dad, yes. Her dad, who um, you know, she grew up just with her dad. Um, and she which again is a way to show a little exposition that she's used to being around men she feels like she has to kind of be a a guy's guy to get mm-hmm. or what is it called a guy's girl a girl what's it what do you call usually people in our generation are like she's cool yeah i, I, I was going to say cool <laughs> I hate that, but... You know what's another really good way to kind of establish, um, like, do some exposition work and kind of establish character is if you use, like, incredibly on-the-nose music cues, um, kind of... Yeah, like Belle Biv DeVoe's Poison. Yeah, that girl is Poison. (laughs) Um, Or uh, in the uh, sex scene coming up, Push It. (laughs) Some Peppa! Yeah, and when she's about to creep on the guy, the the uh, bartender because yeah. she likes what she sees and she's thirsty in front of her father which really is disturbing they play <laughs> tlc's creep <laughs> it's just so much nothing about this film folks is particularly subtle no. um there's not anything where you're gonna go back and watch it the second time and be like oh I see what they were trying to symbolize. Because we're never going to watch this again? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the main reason, yeah. Okay. okay. But um, she, the bartender, she's thirsty for the bartender, and the bartender hits on her. The actor's name is Aldous Hodge. He's in, like, a million things. I know him mainly for playing voodoo in Friday Night Lights. Um, He's beautiful. He, he is a very pretty man. <laughs> Um, he makes her a bespoke cocktail. There's a product placement uh, for uh, Ciroc. Uh, oh, that's mod- another thing that I've been keeping track of. I was clocking all of the product placements. <laughs> <laughs> Just by the way, they said Fiji five times. Fiji water. <laughs> mm-hmm. There there was the, that vodka label, very long shot on the vodka label. And of course, a Stella label out. Yeah. Facing the camera. Um, so there, so they, they hit it off they go back to his place push it is playing because that's the sex song um can i just say i'm so sorry to interrupt you but when you say they hit it off that is the biggest understatement (laughs) that you could have used 
Because we need to go into a little bit of detail as to how he makes her a drink. She says it's good. And then she goes, do you want to taste it? And then she puts the straw in her drink and then drops the straw in his mouth. (laughs) And I'm like, hell no. (laughs) Again, nothing about this film is subtle. It's bad. <laughs> she might she might as well have spoken the lyrics to push it. Uh, <laughs> um, and this sex scene, I would have loved it. like I said, she Taraji, as I would expect, Taraji is a very demanding lover. Right. And it, it's just, <laughs> it's just, she grinds on him till till she finishes. Uh, and then she rolls off of him and falls asleep, and he's like, wait, what just happened? Um, A very overly done <laughs> metaphor yeah, for do you, what women Yeah, do you get it? Do you get it, though? It's like yeah, what guys it, do, but it's and, the and, other and, way. And, and in my head, I said, oh, how the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> Since I've been watching The Office. Right. <laughs> um and then uh, there's something else about the the sex scene. Well, whatever. I'm not gonna. There's so it. much about the sex scene. It's it, it. Like I said, I was very surprised by how explicit it was. There's no like nudity or anything, but it goes on longer than you want, and there's not <laughs> there's not much that's left to your imagination um, yeah. in terms you... of how they are doing the sex. Um, no, not at all. It's kind of like, you know when you're watching a movie with your parents and then a sex scene happens? Yes. Like, this is the worst the, movie. The worst possible one. Because it just goes on forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but salt and pepper's playing, so it's fun. Um, Push she w- real good. <laughs> she wakes up the next morning. Turns out the guy has a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. She freaks out because of that. Also, she overslept, and she's late for her appointment to sign this, um, you know, this star basketball player. Yeah, and the kid is also wearing her thong on his face. Yes, I forgot about that. And then he says, welcome to Wakanda. (laughs) And then the dad is like, oh, no, take that off, take that off. And then he goes, close your mouth, don't breathe. (laughs) Because the part that goes in her ass is near his nose. This this movie is just, I understand why so many people on Common Sense Media reviews were so angry. (laughs) Uh, Adam Shankman can always be trusted to find just the crudest, absolutely, um, just most lowbrow, dumbest joke, um, and, and we see that when uh, we go to the meeting with the um, basketball player and with his dad, Tracy Morgan, um, and there's uh, there's still a condom stuck to the back of <laughs> Taraji P Henson's suit jacket, and. Jason Jones calls her out, and he's like, oh, I don't know what you were doing last night, but there's a condom on the back of your jacket. And she, you know, is embarrassed and whips it off. She's like, it was a rubber glove. I was dyeing my hair. And do you remember what Jason Jones says in response? He says, yeah, dyeing your hair with semen. Who says semen? Who who says that? <laughs> Us right now. Unfortunately, I never want to say that again. Just, just look, for all our female listeners out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're, we're sorry. If you're, if you're with your fella, and oh Christ, uh, if you're with your fella and like things are getting hot and heavy, and you're getting towards the end, and you lean over and you whisper in his ear, "Ooh, baby, give me, <laughs> give me that semen." No! 
I never want to hear you say that ever again in my whole entire life. Uh, that's not going to work is what I'm saying. That's not going to work. So that's some advice right here. This isn't just about movies. This is about how to live your life. I also, okay, just from a directorial standpoint, I have noticed that in general, and I blame Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen for this, but I feel like in comedies, directors are just allowing actors to improvise. Yes. So I think a lot of these things, like the close your mouth, don't breathe thong moment, I think that that was probably improvised. I think that this dyeing your hair with semen thing may have been improvised. Like it's it there this dialogue is so clunky that the moments where it seems that it's somewhat natural, I feel like are these improvised moments, but they're all horrible. They're terrible. And and we're going to get um to the next scene in a minute cuz that I, I made the exact same notice. There are clearly scenes here where I feel that that Shankman just said, "You know what, guys, just riff and we'll take the best ones." And like the best ones were appalling. Um, you know, she, the reason that Taraji can't sign this basketball star is his dad is Tracy Morgan, who is playing himself and, uh, (laughs) basically being like an overbearing dad and kind of having a lot of, um, wants a lot of control in his son's career. So that's kind of the, to the extent that there can be said to be a conflict in this movie, it's how is Ali going to sign this basketball player and win over his dad? Named Joe Dalla. Joe, who changed his name to Joe Dalla, and is saying stuff like asparagus Chevrolet, and I don't trust him. I don't trust a woman who doesn't get dudes and has too many keys. Um. It's really weird because you would think because he gets such top billing on all the posters and stuff that he'd be in it more. Yeah, he doesn't have a ton of screen time. That's the other He's thing. You're right. Barely in the movie. So, but anyway, the next scene is the bachelorette party, and this is absolutely, I think, a scene where they were told to just riff. Ugh, it's so painful. One of the I wrote down some of my favorite riffs. Uh, Look at you and your boobies. Yes. <laughs> and I'm high on Christ. Yeah, which actually so made me laugh. The woman who's high on Christ is Wendy McLennan, who's on Reno 911. Um, so she actually theoretically could improvise (laughs) if she had a scene partner there's nothing that in taraji p henson's career that makes me think she's good at improv comedy like she can be good at other things that's fine Um, she's amazing at other things but not at improv (laughs) um but uh yeah there's the high on christ thing which is like referenced one other time and then dropped forever um (laughs) But but it's Taraji's friend is getting married, and so the bachelorette party, they're going to go out clubbing. But before that, they hired a fortune teller, a psychic, uh, to come and uh, read their auras or whatever. And Played by the incomparable, ins- gorgeous, insane amazing. casting choice. Incredible, fascinating, wonderful astonishing erica badu erica badu i am obsessed with her well i i saw her perform once which (gasps) i want to say makes me more qualified to direct this film than adam shank (laughs) (laughs) yes dude i love her i have an obsession with erica badu and sade yeah sure sure. if they had had if they had had sade in this movie somehow i think i probably just would have died So the the fortune telling scene is is so dumb though. 
It's very dumb. It's just... I would feel like Erica Badu has so much respect for the mystical arts that right. she would have she would have done at least a little bit of research, but they were like, no, just like put some cards down in no particular order, including an Uno card yeah, for yeah. some reason. She's throwing tarot cards all over the place, and one of them is an Uno card as a as a sight gag. Um, By this point, I have fatigue, yeah. and I think this movie is so long. It's twenty five minutes in. Is this is when it's happening? Is you know? So she's doing it, and, and basically, I don't know. She reads Taraji's fortune. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter at all. She gives her um, tea, right? Like mm-hmm. some sort of like drugged tea, um, and then basically nothing happens. And then they go out clubbing. They and blow... then the Yin Yang Twins play in that club. The Yin Yang Twins are playing. They blow up a giant dick balloon. Just absolute lowest common denominator <laughs> sight gag. Um, she trips, hits her head, blacks out, wakes up in the hospital. I just want to say, I really appreciate the contemporary take on the Mel Gibson hat rack dance. Yeah. Is Taraji <laughs> tearing it up in the club and throwing it back to... Giant inflatable two, cock. And to two live crew. <laughs> like, I really appreciated that. I was like, this is way better than this. That horrible, stupid dance number that went on for way too long. Well, the dance scene, the Mel Gibson dance scene, for those of you that haven't listened to the What Women Want episode, like, don't listen to it, because <laughs> you have to relive the movie. But um, it's Mel Gibson dancing by himself in his apartment with a hat rack <laughs> for, like, five minutes. And a fedora on. And he has a fedora on. This, at least, like, it's a dance scene. It's in a club there's there's other people there it's at least it, it could theoretically be fun absolutely but why am i crying at the club <laughs> she wakes up in the hospital minute 31 she can read the doctor's mind oh yeah and the doctor is like talking about doing cocaine yeah it's just first first thing is like whoa, whoa whoa what's she talking about i'm not drinking anymore at work only cocaine <laughs> he also I, okay the doctor oh go ahead oh oh no uh i was gonna say um i think it's very interesting that in this movie in particular he's able to or she's able to say call it out in the moment when she hears things yeah which didn't happen in the first movie and the other thing that is different is um she tells her assistant right right so So there's someone in it with her right which which did not happen at all in what women um, so there are some interesting differences there. One of the things the doctor uh, thinks about was a guy electrocuting himself in the shower, which is a <laughs> reference to the original What Women Want. I forgot. And I was like, why did he put the blow dryer in his butt? <laughs> <laughs> they they had to reference it, but then make it crass. Yes. Um, her When she tells her assistant, like, the whole story that she can read minds now, she drank this tea, she hit her head. He says the only line that made me laugh in the whole film, which, which is, I thought black people stopped drinking tea after Get Out. You forgot to stay woke. <laughs> I loved that line. That was actually a very I feel good like line. that was the woman from Drumline. <laughs> I feel like she, that, that was her thing. I also, I want to point out a piece of dialogue while they were driving back to the office. For some reason, first of all, the bachelorette party is on a weekday. <laughs> The club is fucking bumping on a weekday, okay? He picks her up from the hospital with clothes for some reason, and she's like, I'm going to work. And then she says, a very important piece of dialogue, 
my doctor says I can't drive for a week. This because <laughs> this is very important in the coming scenes <laughs> that nobody thought about at all. But anyway, um, her first course of action is to go back to Erica Badu, right? Right. Um, and uh, she kind of explains what happened to Badu. Badu is shocked um like did not expect this to happen most of the comedy in this scene is erica badu repeatedly asking in increasingly insistent tones did you shit yourself (laughs) they could have given her so much more she deserves so much better she's a fucking legend (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck also for some reason she has to like redescribe what happened the night before you would think that she would remember like they, they wasted quite a bit of time on her being like do you remember last night you came over and you did this thing and then you gave me some tea and then i had a thing and then this happened i'm just like dude that's a whole page <laughs> dialogue but what badu does is she kind of serves the same role that bet midler did in the first what women want which is she tells the protagonist well just use your mind reading to take advantage of people absolutely and you know what's funny is the the thoughts that start going into her mind from other men at first are useless things like michael keaton was the best batman and yeah. i wonder if it's too late to be a marine biologist but after erica badu is like use your powers for good instead of evil she's like okay and is able to infiltrate the the dudes club at work. Yes. And that's where everything changes. Yes. She's able to um she's able to get a handle on who respects her and who doesn't. Um <clears throat> which is Max, no one. <laughs> well, Max Greenfield, right, is an important oh, ally right. in the office. Um she thinks Pete Davidson has been creeping on her the whole time, but it turns out Pete Davidson's character is gay. And has been creeping on her assistant. Oh, thank God. And is is thinking stuff like, oh, yeah, I can see that big dick coming out of your pants. Which, it cannot possibly be a thing that people think. No, and also something about his nipples coming through his shirt. (laughs) It's too much! And then she, um, she also gets in on the guy's poker game. Right, which she drives to by herself. (laughs) But she wasn't supposed to drive for a week. I'm just uh, saying, what a plot hole. Music cue at the poker game is Bills, Bills, Bills. Can uh, you pay my bills? Uh, Mark Cuban bomb. and Shaq are in this. <laughs> Shaq <laughs> eating tiny pretzels Yeah, is these pretzels my favorite. are delicious. <laughs> uh, my favorite internal thoughts from this whole sequence come from Tracy Morgan, which I don't know if they're improvised, but I love them. I smell toast. Am I having a stroke? Wait, I have toast in my pocket. Yeah. And, and squirrels are terrifying. <laughs> That's the thing is, yeah, so Tracy Morgan's character is at um, the poker game as well. And so Taraji P. Henson uses her mind reading to basically take everyone else's money. She lets Tracy Morgan win at the end to kind of start to win his trust over. Right as free your mind from in vogue starts to play. <laughs> The other thing that she does to, uh, she advances her love life back at her apartment building where she hooks up with Kellen Lutz. Hell yeah, Uh, that guy's hot as fuck. um, So because she can read his mind, 
Uh, she knows that he's into her. She's like, oh, I guess I wish, I wish she would just pin me against the elevator door right now. So she basically jumps him in the elevator. They go back to his apartment. Uh, he has a, an African fetish. He has an Af- <laughs> he has a bunch of African masks on the wall, and she's happy about that. Mm-hmm. She loves and, it. She says he has culture. Yes, and then she says, "I need to pee and get ready. I'll be in your room in a minute." And then we see her pee. Is that necessary? <laughs> we also see her wipe down her vagina with his te- with his hand towel. Yeah, like and what it, I looked like she was drinking alcohol, but it might have might have been mouthwash. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a whole. It was a very long. Again, could, with the time wasting. Could it this just, movie is very long. Could have just cut that. Um, and while she read his mind and learned that he was into her, she didn't read far <laughs> enough into his mind to learn surface that level he was a power sub. Yes, and so she goes up to his loft, and he's in full BDSM regalia. Yeah. And she's like, I gotta go! <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is great. You know, the movie is kink-shaming Kellen Lutz. Fine. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, one, it's one fine. other. You know what? Two. You know what I say? You do you, boo. <laughs> we go back to the agency. Max Greenfield has put together a hype video for, for Jamal, who is the star basketball player they're trying to sign. The hype video is unbelievably racist. <laughs> It seems like something his character from New Girl would put together. Yes. he And, and to be clear, Max Greenfield is playing Schmidt from New Girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's very Schmitty in this movie. no meaningful distinction between the two characters. <laughs> it's really horrifying. It's really embarrassing. And of course, she sees that and is like, I need to fix this immediately. Because mm-hmm. she can hear the thought of the small basketball player man. <laughs> And he's like, what is going on? I got to get out of here. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. We can give you anything that you need. And this kid thinks for some reason, yeah, except a cup of coffee. And then she takes the coffee from her coworker and gives it to him. And that clinches the deal. In many ways, coffee is what men want. (laughs) He's like 16 looking, by the way. He shouldn't be drinking coffee. You know, he, he is, what, NCAA, I think you only got to play, like, two or three years before you go pro. I don't know. Okay. Um, or at least at least 18. Maybe it's, no, fun. it's one year. It's one year in basketball. It doesn't matter. I'm going to cut that. That's not important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, um, the hot bartender that she hooked up with comes back to the agency with his kid to return to Raji P. Henson's driver's license that she left at his home. So not only was she driving... You know, within a week of her concussion, <laughs> she was driving without a license. Oh, man. And There's so many lessons to be learned about this movie. She uh, she learns from reading Tracy Morgan's mind that he doesn't <laughs> trust a woman who doesn't have a family. So now, guess what? She's going to ask hot bartender guy to pretend to be her husband, <clears throat> ask the kid to pretend to be her kid. Except and... she doesn't ask. Yeah, she just... That's <laughs> the thing. She's like, you want to go to the Hawks game? And, uh... And yeah, they... I feel like if she had actually communicated, like, hey, can you help me out and I can take you to this game, it would have been a totally different situation. But because she's, like, like a dude, she has to deceive. Yeah. So they they all go to the Skybox together, her with her fake family, Tracy Morgan, Jamal. Um, there's a cameo appearance by Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you know, so Who's she... Who's that? He's a professional basketball player. 
I know nothing. Please, please don't ask me what team he plays for because I don't. I know. don't know basketball. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it basically they're starting to win over the family. Um, there's a great scene back at her office where she asks her assistant to bring her coffee from the coffee machine that is in her own office. She can't get up. She's busy. <laughs> And the assistant has his own dreams. He wants to be an agent someday. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, then we get to the pool hall. Yeah. So her, her wait, her assistant is trying to agent her, which is a verb in this movie. And he says, your friend is getting resentful because you're not spending any time with her and her wedding is coming up. And so he agents her and says that she's now going to be going on a double date with her friend, her fiancé, and the bartender guy, who is so beautiful. And this is a person that Ali Taraji's character called a bridezilla and said, okay, bridezilla, take a Xanax. Like, she doesn't treat her friends very well, so she's very reluctant to go on this date. But while they're on the date, she's having a nice time because the bartender guy is really sweet. Yeah. But then, something horrible. Yeah, happens. she's starting to hear things that she doesn't want to hear. Her friend's fiancé uh, is a scumbag. I fucking hate that guy. He's like, damn, I gotta tap that after the wedding. Referring to a woman he is not engaged to. Mm, uh, it was really sad. It was sad. Um, and, her own, and, and the bartender guy um, thinks that Ali is kind of mean. But he still cares about her. And he's not thinking of fucking other women. That's right. He says, as the woman walks by, he says, how could I look at her when you're right there? And then the sexy music starts again. Sexy music starts again. A montage where they're learning pool and he's like grinding behind her as he's he's showing her how to hold a cue. Uh, And then they fuck again. That's what happens. Did you not know that when you play pool, you play pool as a montage? Yeah, no, I, real I, life. I, I know that now. But they fuck again, <laughs> and this time they fuck more slowly. and Because they are sharing the control. <laughs> yes. And she listens to him, and they fall in love. Oh, that's the only place to fall in love. It's in bed. Um, there's also, like, then we just jump ahead, and it's signing day already. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, so we're kind of moving through the story very quickly. Um, she introduces the bartender man to her dad and, you know, tries to... Her dad? <laughs> oh, there's your first indication that I'm... Tony's been in the Midwest too long. I'm cutting out every time you make fun of my accent. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and there is one point where... And it's my favorite part of every movie. There is one point where they say the title of the movie is a line of time. Oh, it's the best. And I love when it's like an offshoot character. In yes. this point, in case it's her dad. Yeah. It's like, ah, that's what everybody wants, right? To get paid and get laid. And he's like, wait, you really think that's what men want? And then they should have like <laughs> both looked at the camera. <laughs> there are two pieces of dialogue that are so heavy handed in this scene that I have to call out. One of them is, first of all, this poor child named Ben says, my dad works real hard, so I try not to make a big deal out of my birthday. This child is carrying so much weight on this, oh my goodness, this poor baby. He let Just let him have a birthday. He's like, I don't want to burden my dad. It's too much. I think that 
I would rather have seen a movie about this kid and how he's coping with his mother's death and his father's subsequent dating and escapades than the movie I was watching. Second of all, the hot bartender man says the lesson out loud, which is knowing what's on a man's mind is not the same as knowing what's in his heart. Right. And then he looks at the camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. There's uh there's other stuff that happens like where Jason Jones like tries to poach the bat. It's stuff I don't care about. No, um, I don't care. Something Taraj- about China. Yeah, Taraji P Henson gets yelled at by her boss who says, "If I didn't think I'd get crucified by all those me tooers, I'd fire your ass today." Which is a line that makes zero sense. Not at all. <laughs> like what the hell? It like it. Again, these writers are like, well, we got to put in a reference to Me Too. Everybody loves that. <laughs> everybody, everybody loves Me every, Too. Everybody loves being reminded of that. Um, so let's put it here. It's like, oh, is there, was there a sexual harassment, assault? No, no, no. It's like where he wants to fire a woman because she lost a, you know, a star prospect. It's like, oh, oh, and then she also calls out, like, are you firing me because I'm a woman? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, it's because I'm black. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, here we go. None of it adds up, but it also doesn't go anywhere because she still ends up working at the job. So whatever. Um, But we get to the It's very interesting that they build it up to the point where you think that she's going to get fired for whatever reason it is. But nothing happens Nothing happens. So is that supposed to be the climax? No, because guess what? Definitely not. (laughs) There's fucking more. So let's talk about the wedding. Um, well, first, before she goes to the wedding, she does make an attempt to give her powers back to Erica Badu. Oh, okay. And Erica Badu is like, wait, 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 no. With great power comes great responsibility of telling the truth. So in actuality, the powers that she had was listening to the truth within a man, which are his, his thoughts that he would never say out loud. I guess in a way, you could say that the writers were trying to like show another side to men but completely failed i think <laughs> the, mo- <laughs> the, the the um the moral of this movie is hey you know men not that bad <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't understand what they were trying to get at because there were moments where i was like oh okay like we're hearing her co-workers talk about how they hate themselves or they're insecure because their watch is fake or whatever yes. but they totally dropped that yeah completely yeah and then these men are just like i want to fuck that you know what i'm gonna say it again this is what shankman did in his other film is he has like storylines that get mentioned twice and then abandoned completely Absolutely, and they're very emotionally charged that could potentially save the film. Steve Martin's daughter, like, almost got assaulted at a party and bringing down the house, and it's laughed off in two minutes. (laughs) I forgot about that. It's horrifying. It's really, it's a terrible film, folks. It's worse than this one. This one's bad. This one, I'm just going to say, the first hour of this film, I was convinced this is one of the worst things I'd ever seen. Um, the second hour, it didn't get better, but somehow the stakes felt lower, so I just didn't care anymore. That's fair. I didn't, I wouldn't think it's, like, the worst thing we've seen on the pod. Certainly not, no. It's still Um, pretty bad, though. Yeah, it's very bad, but, um, (laughs) but let's talk about, um, uh, just a really good, airtight, nothing-goes-wrong scene 
uh, the <laughs> wedding. Which, what a joy. At which Ali is a bridesmaid, uh, the friend with her um, fiancé who is cheating on her. Um, they're the two getting married. He says something about, I knew you were the one when you put a whole bottle of hot sauce on your Waffle House two-piece. I'm <laughs> guessing that line came from one of the white writers. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. He, he, he had just watched the interview with Hillary Clinton talking about the hot sauce in her bag, and he's like, we gotta put that in. Um... And so Ali decides to just speak in the, just yell out in the middle of the wedding. Well, because with great power comes great responsibility of telling the truth. And she also had wine. Yes. And so she comes clean that she can read men's minds and that. To the entire congregation. And they're all like, oh. Yeah. And they buy it wholesale for one thing. 100%. They're like, absolutely, okay, well, what happens next? Um, So then she, you know, she outs the groom as being, you know, a cheater. Um, And then she outs uh, another one of her friend's husbands as being secretly, like, a closeted gay man. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. (laughs) Another plot hole. (laughs) Um, uh, And this giant, big, slapsticky fight breaks out like across the entire wedding party absolutely people are fainting in the aisles the her assistant actually tried very hard to stop her before she did any of this and then she's just like he's like as your friend i am trying to stop you and she goes you're on you're my assistant yeah so anyway you are just my assistant what (laughs) that is fucking cruel what happens at the fight is Ali gets knocked in the head again. And guess what? She can't read minds anymore. Aww. Wakes up in She's... the hospital again. Uh, same doctor, but she can't read his mind. She goes and finds Jamal. She convinces him to go into the NBA draft and follow his dreams. She makes good with her friends in another interminable scene where they were told to look here's the thing look i want to get this out they were told to riff they're like riff just just say the funniest shit you can think of and we're gonna cut it down to the the absolute funniest stuff and one of the things that made the film was a knock knock joke oh my god was i just dead by this point i don't remember that at all probably um what was it it was knock knock. Who's there? Shitty, shitty who? Shitty friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is so bad. Uh, they also so say bad. one of the riffs is also boo boo shitty kitty, which is a, which is a reference to um, Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Because uh, her character, um, uh, Taraji P Henson's character, says boo boo kitty on the show. Um, so that's a nice little, that's something that the audience can really kind of take home with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Put them in their she, pocket. She makes partner at the firm this time. Hey, she catches the football. How about that, Nadia? Hey, that's great. And she also has a speech, <laughs> which I, I don't know why in movies like this they have to make some sort of speech in front of everyone, but this one was just so lame. It was, my self-worth is not going to come from a man's approval. No. I am going to compete and win on my own terms, not yours. So I'm opening my own agency. <gasps> Everyone freaks the fuck out. 
she takes Max Schmitty. She <laughs> takes Max Greenfield with her. And <laughs> promotes her assistant, which is great. Promotes her assistant. But when she when she ta- when she says I'm taking Max Greenfield with me, Max Greenfield stands up and says, I'm with her. Oh, I forgot about that. Ew. It's so gross. Ugh, all of this is just so awful. It's awful. Everything seems to be resolving really quickly. Pete Davidson and the agent and the assistant end up together. Pete Davidson dabs twice. Uh, that oh sucks. Um, also, they don't kiss, and I think I am more mad about that. Yeah, they should that, have kissed. That's fair. Um, big, uh, big heartfelt speech to the bartender about how she really loves him or something. And Win- then, winning doesn't really matter if you're a horrible person. Yeah. And that's it. Just like the original What Women Want, they actually resolve all of the storylines like almost too fast, which yeah. is remarkable when you consider that the movie is two hours long. You, uh, I think what they're trying to do is have a lot of fun with the, you know, the, what the, is it called? This, Mind reading? The scene at the wedding where she tells her friend that her husband is gay, which would be- Yeah, they want- you know, horrible and traumatizing in their relationship yeah and you know instead of it being about her friends oh that's another thing we didn't mention when her friends were like so you could read minds and you didn't tell us your friends that was very upsetting you could probably cut that out but that made me mad no it was, it was bad <laughs> yeah the the thing about it though is i i don't know what the lesson was they brought up a lot of different ways. It's men are not bad. Men are not that bad. Men are cool. Uh, men are, men but are, are they? Yeah, we're the best. <laughs> Ew, I forget that you're a man sometimes because you're just Tony to me. I don't. You're not horrible like well, most that, men. Well, okay, that's that's very kind. Um, yeah, the lesson. I mean, I like. I can't even, because it's like, okay, it's a different setting than what women want, right? Because, like, she's in a misogynist man's world. Right. um, And she uses her newfound gift to kind of get ahead in that. It's more justified than anything Mel Gibson did in the film, or, as it turns out, his personal life. And... (laughs) Right, and there's, uh, there's no suicide... There's no, there's no Judy Greer committing suicide subplot that we have to deal with, which is good. I mean, I feel like the stakes are low enough that it's fun. It's more fun than what women want. What women want was horrifying and traumatizing because it was rooted in a little more reality as much as you can with like this magical element to it. But this one was just kind of a farce. It's so, so broad um, and so... Um, just kind of crude in a lot of its jokes. And so... Um, so there's no lesson. So sloppily written. Yeah, that there's no yeah. lesson. I guess the lesson is don't let a bunch of people riff in your movie. Uh, unless they are, like, people who have experience with <laughs> improvisational comedy. If you if yeah. you have a, a Academy Award-nominated dramatic actress, don't ask her to riff. Like, no, give her lines. She's going to she, read the lines real good. Oh, yeah. She'll, she'll do okay. <laughs> as much as she can. It's like, it's like when they tell you in theater school, it's like you're, you have to elevate the text. Like, she elevated it as much as she could. Yeah, I just... Because it wasn't she, good. <laughs> I wish she had something better to do. For a mid-budget, um, R-rated comedy, 
you know, it, I think this checks all the boxes for that. If you were drunk off your ass, uh, <laughs> if if you like couldn't have a real bachelorette party and you and your friends went to see this instead, um, you'd probably enjoy it. Why would you do this for a bachelorette party? I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. You're such the, a man. <laughs> the best case scenario is pretty sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious to hear what reviews you found on it. Yeah, yeah, I got two I want to share. Um, so let's do reviews. Uh, the Chicago Tribune, Michael Phillips. No one can say how the Henson-driven vehicle, What Men Want, will play 19 or 20 years from now. But no matter how much or how little changes in the workplace and the culture, it can't possibly look as weird and paleolithic as What Women Want today does today. Which I think is fair. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, I'm just listening to your accent. I'm not intaking anything that you're saying. (laughs) The staging and visual rhythms are workmanlike at best, pushy and awkwardly staged at worst. A melee at the altar, for example, when one character finds out her husband's dalliances, indulges in the wrong sort of chaos, along with a homophobic streak the movie pretends elsewhere to deride. Um, Okay, this review has more intelligent sounding vocabulary (laughs) than i experienced in the whole two hours of that movie yeah the story is a lot harder on its female protagonist than the 2000 film was on its male equivalent and this makes a depressing amount of sense given what women are up against in most workplaces henson plays both the dramatic encounters and the slapstick opportunities for higher stakes than gibson ever did Ooh, that's true it's pretty good um yeah uh, what Men Wants was made for a fraction of the earlier film's budget, and it's a lot easier to take because you like the people on the screen. Okay. That's that's generally kind. Yeah, I think so. It has less about the technical aspects of the film and more about, like, just subject matter. Yeah. And then I got one more, and this is uh, Nell Minow writing for RogerEbert.com. The smartest choice this movie makes is recognizing that women do not need help figuring out what men think because men are very good at telling us through mansplaining. Uh, (laughs) That's true. Director Adam Shankman keeps things bouncy with predictable but peppy songs on the soundtrack, like Push It, as Ali (laughs) is getting ready to, uh, push it. (laughs) Wonderful! And implements a uh, cast of comedic all-stars, including Morgan, Badu, who is not a comedic actor. She's a musician. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's okay. She's a legend. Yeah, Kellen Lutz, Pete Davidson, etc. Okay. Uh, Henson's very funny but grounded performance keeps us rooting for Ali, even in her most awkward moments. Whether she's doing the walk of shame straight into a business event without realizing the used condom stuck to her shirt, or vamping to keep Joe from finding out she's not really married. But her revelations are all in her eyes, like when she experiences true intimacy, tenderness, or first real vulnerability. We don't need funky tea to know what Ali is thinking. We just need Henson, who makes us care. Oh! I mean, and obviously, like, Taraji's performance, we're on a first name basis, Taraji's performance (laughs) is the only good thing about this movie, right? She was She was going to do a great job, there's no question. Um, She had the worst possible script. Uh, and the worst possible director for that script. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm trying to think of who would do a better job, but they should. I just think it should just not be made. <laughs> yeah, I, that that would that would also be my vote. Is uh, do not make the movie. 
All right. Well, do you want to hear about the common sense media reviews? Of course, straight I from, want to hear. Straight from the audience. Uh, there were no kid reviews that were of substance. It was mostly like they say a lot of bad words, which well, they do. To- totally valid. Most of the reviews from kids were ages thirteen to sixteen, which if you're you know thirteen years old watching this movie, I have questions for your parents. <laughs> but. My favorite reviews were the following. One from user MG Toe says, this movie is the worst. The men, okay, this is riddled with uh, <laughs> misspellings, okay? The men is the ideal of what women think of men. Sexist, misandrist in every way. We want our children to be sure. We worry about keeping our jobs and providing for our families. Today's cinema makes us out to be idiots and bumbling fools. I don't know what that meant. Uh, user saw seven 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 says we rarely abandon movies and TV because of swearing, but this one is over the top with foul language, and we dumped it after twenty to thirty minutes. Recommend avoiding. Yeah, that's actually the Jigsaw Killer. The movie is what inspired him to his life of crime. <laughs> user Vivian nine four four nine says, "Ugh, I hate this, but I'm going to say it because it's written raunchy and ghetto." Oh, I know. I'm bad. sorry. Oh, I hate it. <clears throat> I hated saying it. This movie is a disgrace to the Mel Gibson movie that was actually <laughs> funny. <laughs> this movie is a disgrace to the Mel Gibson movie that was actually funny without 80% needless swearing. I love Taraji and seriously think she should have thought twice after reading this script or sampling the dialogue. On top of the indiscriminate cussing, they continue to perpetuate black stereotypes by being dirty, unprofessional at work, and all the additional drug innuendo. It was seriously disappointing in this entire movie. It's horrifying to hear what actual people think about things. <laughs> Just by the way. Yeah, well, see, that's the moral of the movie. <laughs> Okay, I have one more bad one and one good one. Excellent. This one is my favorite, so I left it for the end as a negative review. User Lisbon says, obviously lean to the left and Dems. Quote from Michelle Obama when they go low. And the Hillary campaign quote, I'm with her. Poor performances based on sex, basically. (laughs) This is like reading YouTube comments. But you have to create an account. (laughs) Imagine, imagine walking away from this film thinking it was like Democratic Party propaganda. This is too left leaning for me. (laughs) Okay, so Mr. T. Lewis is coming in with the only positive review. Taraji, another one. I went. (laughs) (laughs) I went into this movie thinking the funniest scenes were on the commercials, as usual, and boy, I was wrong. This movie provided plenty to laugh at. The cast for this movie really worked well together, and it came through just fantastic. Badu was funny AF. I hope this is not the last time I see her on the big screen. She was worth the price of admission alone. I love that review. <laughs> so positive. Taraji, another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing but winners, hidden figures, hustle and flow. What? <laughs> She was great in it. She was, I, I think mean, if like, we just isolate her and put her in nose, I would see a movie of just her doing anything. Just just a solo one woman, like a, like The Martian. But yes. 
but where she can read thoughts of other people, but they're not ever on screen. Oh, yeah. No, that's actually, I'd, I'd see that. So, okay. So, obviously, I think we both agree this is better than what women want. Absolutely. 100%. There's oh. no weird daughter dynamic. Oh, God, that's right. God damn it. Oh, where there's, now... like, a dressing room scene. Yeah. Oh. There's no oh. Helen Hunt, which makes me uncomfortable just in general whenever she does anything. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Um, I forgot about the daughter. I forgot about the Judy Greer thing. Uh, okay, yeah. I Ultimately, that. that movie was pretty forgettable, but I don't think I'll forget this one. This one was, this one was at least memorable in the way that most comedies have been lately, which is you have to have some sort of weird slapsticky climax at a wedding where you throw things. Yeah, th- this is like it if um you know if human civilization dies out in the next what do we say six months if if that happens and like somebody needs like the aliens come and they discover like our our culture and our the artifacts and stuff they're like if you're like what would be it's it's the year 3000 what is the movie that best (laughs) exemplifies what movies were like in 2019 like this would be i think a perfectly fair selection Oh, a hundred percent. Because it's bad, and most things that are being <laughs> most, made right now are most bad. Are bad. <laughs> most things are bad right now. I don't know what happened. There's like a golden age of television, and then movies are just like, here's an Avengers movie, and now what men want. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, it, just a just a, an additional note for everyone uh, listening. When I said this was not even in the top 50 highest grossing films of the year, that's true. The top eight highest grossing films of the year were all produced by the same studio. Was it Disney? <laughs> Which is Disney. Any uh, final thoughts, Nadia? Um, I just think that the studio probably should have known better as far as directing, having Adam Shankman direct this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should have him stick to the step up movies. I thought his step ups were pretty good. I thought Hairspray was incredible. There was a lot of joy in it, and I didn't feel the joy in this one. Well, Hairspray—that's the weird thing—is Hairspray is also about race. Um, but it's, yeah, that's true. But it's but, about you know. like integration, and um, and also he didn't write Hairspray, right? It was a musical, and then that was based on the, the John Waters film. Also, he choreographed a lot of really good movies. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's mainly a choreographer. Huh. If well, you go back in his repertoire, most of his stuff is choreography. Uh, the Wedding Planner does have a dance mm-hmm. sequence, as you remember, which I'm sure he choreographed. But Hairspray, he also choreographed and directed. So oh. that was probably why it was very good. Well, Adam Shankman, hey, if you're listening, and I assume you are... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe go back to the choreographing stuff. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe focus on that. Maybe that's your gift, man. Uh, and uh, do not ever direct another film that I have to watch for this podcast again. Please stop. I'm tired. The movie was so long. Um, well, on that note, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're at Probably Shoulda on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. We'll see you for the next episode. Bye.
Didn't you know? Didn't you know? Try to move, but I lost my way.